Hello people, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another beautiful episode of The Comedian's Paradise. And today's guest is a tantalizing, gorgeous, sexy and beautiful clown. A fantastic Sue Morrison. An influential and brilliant clown all the way from Canada telling about it's about the unique method of clowning through masks. I hope you enjoy this episode and don't clown around too much. Oh, hello. Have we done it? Hello, Sue. Wow, I miracle. I can't hear you. That was, I don't know what's. Let me check. Let me check. Um, try again. Hello, hello. Try again. Hello, hello. hello, hello. Any luck? No? I, I can see what sign language. I, um, <laughs> let's see. Um, well, mute is not. Let me on. try something. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, yeah, we'll do. We'll do it like this. We'll do it on this. <laughs> Here we go. We, can you? Hear me? <laughs> I can hear you. Yes, I can finally hear you. I think maybe. Yeah. <laughs> always... Well, it'll be my fault because I'm terrible at this. So, <laughs> okay. We're here, though, aren't we now? Ah. Well, it's you know, clowns trying to do something. It's it's probably (laughs) not going to happen. Not how we think, anyway. Yeah, I mean that's we we, we're clowning around. Sorry, that that's British humour with the puns. (laughs) I don't want to bring you that that atrocity of British puns. Thank you, but too late. You just did it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pleasure to have you on. I'm I'm in, I'm intrigued to find out about it because especially after listening to the Barnaby King, the interview I had with him, it made me very interested to find out about. Like he told me about the workshop he did with you, telling me about like how you mixed in clowning with red indian clowning is that the is that no american indian clown what's what's the correct yeah, don't say that european now we, we must be politically correct and we either say first nations or indigenous so <laughs> just to be correct <laughs> indigenous clowning with european clowning and then like richard went and created his own style of clowning and then you taught him yeah it's it's, it's intriguing when, when i did the workshop in Gurlier, i always knew that what like the clowning that I did was sort of the start into it. And like through interviewing Barnaby King, there's so many like different things in clowning. And yeah, it's, it's a lifetime, isn't it? In terms of clown. Oh, well, I hope so. <laughs> you know, I mean, we want to always be in a state of, you know, learning at that moment. And, uh, you know, you find clown, not necessarily in a workshop that calls itself clown, <laughs> but sometimes if you read about jazz music or something like that, you'll, you know, that's a closer, that's the closest thing I've, I've seen, uh, or I've read about describing clown, actually. And I, you know, co-wrote a book, <laughs> it's still not as close as jazz, jazz talk. So, but I, I would say that it's not, um, so Richard developed this process of work um, because Lecoq told him, you know, you should go back to Canada and make your own way of working. I think because Canada is a new country and, you know, draws on lots of different traditions, obviously. And um, 
he anyway through his process and encounters and learnings teachings um it's more like he was uh he learned about the philosophy of indigenous clown you know and that's and that is sort of if we ever faced all directions of ourselves at once we could just laugh at the beauty of our ridiculousness so okay so it's not like this process exists in any band or tribe it's it's a process that he developed to ex to try to access and express that concept if that makes sense it, it, <laughs> well not really but whatever <laughs> so it's a bit like the slumdog millionaire have you seen the film yes fabulous film Oh, amazing great film and it's very well put together and it, it it's funny about how he was able to answer those questions for his life experiences and i get that's that in some ways that's what i think of what you said with richard he developed his own thing through his life experiences uh well through yes yes sort of life or through his clown encounters and teacher guide encounters i would say you know? yeah but but yeah that's that's a i got goosebumps yeah that's about the slumdog millionaire because i mean we are the uh you know sum total the culmination of all our, our all our experiences and you know sort of how do we how do we even access that or manifest that or create opportunity for that to be expressed uh is something and it's not because we make a series of six masks, totally six masks for the six directions. Um, but, uh, and people think, oh, I know what I, I know what my masks are gonna be. They're gonna be about this and this and this. And it's like, no, <laughs> it's almost always about other things. Uh, and we access whatever that quality is or emotion is through the story of the mask that we encounter when we wear the mask. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh boy, that's a lot clearer. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to explain. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's... One of the things I found interesting already, so I've interviewed Rene Bezanet, I've interviewed um, oh, Barnaby King. You mean uh, Quebec, Rene Bezanet in, in Quebec? Is that yeah, right? that's, that's the one. Oh, oh yeah, it's another Rene, but yeah, okay. I know, I know who you mean. The, the German man who was in Cirque du Soleil. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. The right one? Yeah. Yeah. It's not another one, but <laughs> okay. But yeah, he, he was, yeah, he was very interesting. And then you got um, Ito Basuri that I interviewed. And you got um, Mark Curtis, who worked with Philippe. Um, I studied at Golier. And then there's, mm -hmm. um, yeah, one thing that, each each person has their own sort of idea of clowning. There's no sort of set thing in each person I get on the podcast. Mm -hmm. No, it's absolutely no. There, there's. I think ultimately, like great work meets at the top, and you know how you get there is how you get there. You know, and maybe a culmination of different things. Um, yeah, but I you can't be like a fascist about it because it's you know i mean clown by nature is anarchist so if you as soon as you write rules about it 
it's going to break those rules, you know, maybe not even intentionally. It just, it, you know, as clown, I think we have difficulty following rules and um, living under some level of constraint because our nature is to push against that in some way, even in an innocent way. Um, but for us, it's um, innocence after experience, which is a different kind of innocence, you know, yeah. because that, like to go through experience means um, you've all, you have survived something. You have to understand something about sacrifice and loss and uh, you know connections and things like that. Um, uh, I think I like to think in terms of um, I want to include all aspects of humanity, and it's not all good. I mean, we're seeing that right now everywhere a lot of places in the world right now um so it, it because i think a clown can be incredibly sad or like heartbroken or and really not like pretend but really access that um and i oh i think clowns can be hilariously funny i mean i think they can be anything because clowns can just be anything and look like anything um it's i don't so even when people think a clown has to look a certain way, it's like, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. You know, who knows what they look like today? They're everywhere. No, what, what, I mean, a lot of, what about, what about, um, what about um, Piers Morgan? Or what about uh, Donald Trump? Or what about... Oh. They, no, no, I, I don't know if there's Morgan. That's more a British thing. And I actually turn it off if it ever comes on. Uh, I mean, Trump, I would not give him the credit to be a, a clown. He, he understands nothing about humanity at all. <laughs> so he's out. I mean, he's not a bouffon. He's not He's not clown. He's just a, a failed <laughs> spirit or something. Or, I mean, who, well, okay, but who follows him? I mean... Who gives him all that power? That's a that's another thing. <laughs> you know, you don't you don't exist just because you um, have an idea about yourself. I mean, the thing is, I think um, we all have ideas about ourselves and how we think we come across, think what we look like, you know, what we sound like, and it's not that ever. <laughs> I think it's hardly ever ever that. Mm. No. So. This this isn't the start of the podcast, by the way. See, this is a little little chat. Just... Oh, well, I'm done. That was all the gold. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Eleven minutes. Good. That's good. Shortest edit ever. Thank you, man. Yeah, good. Because uh, I never remember what I talk about. So that's that's true. Anyway, so you studied with Goyer. Um, what did you take with Philippe? I did the full year. Um, oh, I I stopped midway because of the pandemic. So I did two terms and then I switched into, yeah, and then I took a, and I came back and completed the third term. But uh, yeah, I think if I was to go back there again, I'd probably just do two, which is mm. Jew and Clown, because that seems yeah. to be the thing that I do better at. I, I don't know what it is. A lot of the times when I'm in an uncomfortable position or in a situation that's a, where I, I make a mistake, that seems to be where I make the biggest mistakes. And I think one of the things is there's a little thing that often happens when I go on stage 
I think that I'm smarter than I am. No, no, I, so, <laughs> no I, I, That's I, what I'm I, saying is like, we have this idea about ourselves and it's really, <laughs> we're, I, not, we're not alone. <laughs> I think I'm smarter than I am, but, mm -hmm. uh, and that shows, and I don't do something silly and I make a mistake, but also at the same time, I'm not as stupid as other people think as well. And that's often sometimes when I, when I do something deliberately stupid, a lot of the times people can't tell when I'm doing it deliberately or when I am doing it deliberately. Wow. I'd have to see that. But okay. Well, well you know, but it, well, yeah. You know, the, it, the, it's about, I think, the process of work, the process of this creativity, you know, how that works for you. I mean, I worked with Philippe for years and, um, um, uh, but I, I had already been working with Richard for years and already had worked in um, improvisation a lot, like Second City and that, you know, I was with Second City and okay. theater sports and stuff. And I found that very helpful to work with in Philippe's workshop as well. But I think if you're a newbie, it can be a little more devastating. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, yes. I mean, I've seen people get quite destroyed by some of it. And I was, I mean, I heard an incident of a girl saying that he was a bad teacher. And I was, no, I, I wasn't there, but people mm. told me about it and they got kicked out. And I hear stories about different people getting kicked out and then getting saying, Oh, I've been working at bars all year and you're saying this about me. And then I hear something about, I've seen situations where people get annoyed. I, he he's had a go at me quite a few times, but I just I just you know it's a show, it's a performance. I mean, I'm not really too bothered how I look on stage. If I look really stupid or really weird, but people are laughing, I don't really care. So th a lot of the stuff he said didn't get to me as much. Mm. But um, I I don't get on with him though. But it it I do thank him for yeah. the experience. I'll be straight and honest. But I I it, it's a it's a good school and it helped me a lot. And it's, I got a lot, I got a few things out of it. So I'm, I'm happy about it. I enjoyed the experience mm -hmm. as a whole. Hmm. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> do, I don't know how that sounds to you. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, um, I mean, I, 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 I um, had a lot of fun working with Philippe. And he actually, I, it's the only time I know of that he actually got up and did an improv with me. And it was, you know, terrific fun. Um, um, yeah, I, well, yes, <laughs> it's a process and I'm definitely grateful for my, my time with him, uh, of course, really. Yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, I, and not like he didn't make me cry. He did, <laughs> <laughs> usually when he was drunk, so. Uh, that's, that's another thing. No, but yeah. Anyway, so, so. Uh, sorry. No, I was wondering like what, you know, um, so it sounds like you're interested in producing a podcast because of the different avenues of, um, uh, of, of study of, of this unknowable clown world. It's... Okay. So. I, I've always enjoyed making people laugh and um, 
I've done a lot of like I've been the stand up for quite a while now, and a lot of times I'm in the stand up world, but I've done stand up, but I've never found like joke writing that interesting. But I've always been people have always laughed more through me rather than any jokes I produce per se, and I'm as I've been to Goli and done that, I, I'm more and more interested in like the physical side of comedy more so than. With words, because I see a lot of things with comedians, they get the joke stolen. But and I see one of the big things being a stand up is a lot of people are good joke writers, but if you Don't take the jokes be, away, yeah. they have nothing. And I think that's a big exactly. yeah. performance because you a lot of the best stand ups I've seen, like you've got Joey Diaz and a lot of very good clients, it's the unique quality about them that makes them really funny. And that is something someone can't take away unless they really, really put a lot of work in the study. But by that, that, but, well, I, I don't know that that's a lot harder to emulate when it's unique qualities about your personality or how you look or like great actors like Tom Hardy, a lot of the roles he, he, if someone else played them, it wouldn't be as good an effect because he's such a great actor and he's got a great charisma and, maybe it's body positions that's that's what makes him a great performer and that i've is i'm more interested in that's why i'm interested in clowning because it focuses i feel on more unique aspects of you to make things funny rather mm -hmm. than you write on a piece of paper but when i'm in a lot of comedy gigs when i'm bit when i work and be funny without doing all that comedians all a lot of the time go to me where's the joke you got to do this you got to do that and they try and they 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 a lot of times they don't like that. But also I am a questionable character. I am someone who some people like me, some people don't. So that as well. So that that's they're the things that mm. what I'm what brings me to clowning is I find that very interesting to be funny through being what you have rather than what you've got on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm the who you are sort of thing and how you are yeah yeah and of course that you don't want I mean, nothing should be taught that way i mean it should be uh you know developed and expressed uh and I, this comes into that concept of facing directions of yourself all directions of yourself and then laughing at the beauty of that like the <laughs> the what the first part of the statement is just like almost the easy step in a way in this process of work um, or the most obvious uh, step, uh, but it's learning to laugh at that, which is a whole other level, you know, to, because we all take ourselves, I think we take ourselves generally pretty seriously. And certainly as I get older, I take myself a lot more seriously than I do. <laughs> it, I should be like the opposite, but now I'm like, ah, it's miserable. And I know why people want to yell at, people to shut the gate and get out of my yard and stuff um yeah anyway well, it's and it's interesting that you come from a stand-up background and so you know your your ability to handle you know philippe uh, i understand that a lot more <laughs> because it's a stand-up's a pretty uh, immediate and you know brutal sort of world i think oh my god yes i'm to be honest i don't know what it is at the moment with stand-up but i find other comics or other performers much more difficult to deal with than the audience i can deal a lot more with but it's it's mm -hmm. i don't like all the there's a lot of rubbish that goes on in comedy 
and a lot of people, oh my god yes <laughs> that's that's the thing that that i don't really there's a lot of well also in clowns as well a lot of i mean a lot of the clowns that you come across in the edinburgh fringe are sort of goliad based clowns and you may not like what i i with a lot of the goliad clown i that's I feel that's like more theater based clown more, more and i feel that some of its people go into Golia and they think they've understood clowning but I think there's a lot more to that there's a lot of things you've got to learn on it that's one of the reasons why it's I one of the reasons why I set up the podcast is that I find the mechanics of how of learning how to make people laugh interesting whether it be a stand-up or a clown or maybe a comedic magician that's interesting or people's stories into how they get to where they are interesting that's what one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who the, what the guests going to be like. Some people are going to be very annoying. Some people are going to be wild. Some are some that I expect to be a certain way, complete the other ways, and then others I expect to be a certain way. And that's part of the fun of it. And I'm a chatterbox. I like chatting to people. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> it would be quite a funny podcast if I didn't like. Oh, what we? Oh, I don't like talking to people. If you were like Russell Brand, <laughs> like I hate everybody and everybody's crap. Yeah, um, you know, I really don't usually enjoy stand up very much because it is very much because I find that clown works with audience, and I find stand up. And maybe it's just bad stand-up I've seen works against an audience. And um that's I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't engage me. Um, and I want to feel like if I'm watching this show, if I've come to the theater, I'm watching this show, you know, I better be in a way integral to what is happening in ah. this this evening. Because even when I when I make shows with people. And, you know, we end up with a script. It could be eight or 10 or 12 pages. It's like, and it's an hour show. I want to see a different show every night because I, you know, we want, I want to build in, um, you know, audience uh, moments with the audience and connections with the audience and what's working or what doesn't work or the gifts of the gods that night, you know, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I, I like things just a bit, more raw and immediate and honest and um if if those elements aren't present then i'm not present <laughs> as an audience because i'm like i'll never get that two hours of my life back <laughs> now that's that's an interesting point you've made it's i'm not so sure if it re resorts to some of the really great comedians that i see that are very much based funny on who they are um, do i know them because i don't know the same people i definitely what you say with comics that are just completely joke 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 and you know they're nothing about their words what you said it, it's when i go for other jobs and i put in that i'm a comedian or something they assume that you're a great performer or like it helps with different things if you're just a word-based comic who just jokes, I feel that you put the words to hide from the audience. That, yeah, that, yeah. I uh, like that very much. And in the work of Clown Through Mask, 
in the first six weeks of uh, work or five weeks of work, um, we they don't speak. It's like, how do you engage a, an audience? In their turn, they don't speak. In the, in the wearing and the expression discovery of the mask and the articulation of that, of that mask, um, they speak. But when it comes to do the turn to express that mask to, to us, the audience, um, no words. It's like, I want to find out who you are without all of those things around, you know, whether it's a it's script or your incredible, you know, ability as a contortionist or a juggler or whatever. I want to know who you are when you stand up there first. And I want you to know that, you know, and to, to you know, work, embrace that and work from from that place. Is is performance a bit like a dance? Always, but it's not a choreography. So, <laughs> yeah, no. And I've heard of like wonderful, you know, clowns. Uh, and I was so shattered and they had an audience participation thing. And I was so shattered to hear after because this person happened to pick one of uh, a friend of mine, a student of mine that was in the audience. And um, so she, she was like taken aside you know, and told what to do and how to do, and if she, you know, to do that and to not do this, but do that. And I thought, wow, you've just, you know, that is so shitty. That's so shitty because I want to see you as clown, you know, who's driving the bus. It's like, I want you, I want you to find out what's, I don't know, I want, I want the performer to take the risk, you know, to figure it out. So. I don't want, you know, to know it was a staged choreographed sort of a thing. Is that one of the hard, that, is that probably the hardest bit with clowns? Because I, I, I find when I do certain bits and I fail on stage or something, when I try and recreate that exactly, the moment's gone and it's, with some bits I've done, it's been so, like, it's been near impossible to create the exact same thing. Yeah, like Philippe would say, you have to do it a hundred times now, and then you'll get it, you know, then you can get it back. But it's that thing of how do you work in the moment? How do you learn to work in the moment, in the now, you know, in this conversation that's set up this in this theater or in this whatever this is, in this moment, you know, what's that like? And, and I, I like to, because I think in, I don't know, in clown, in clown, you're more you than when you're not in clown, you know, because I think it's a genre that can handle all of you, you know, and so I want that all to be available. And it's the thing that is going, you know, can be anything can be called on at any time. And I would love to see you be brilliant and take that, you know, and even take your failure, you know, I mean, really not like oh the fail is the gift of the yeah yeah we know the fail is the gift of the gods but i mean take the fail of of the vulnerable moments you know of things not working out or when things did work out or can i show you a couple of videos of like comedians that are more funny based on their performance rather than based on what they write okay so I'm no expert on, you know, I mean, I just have my own thing. I'm not, you know, I have opinions. <laughs> I, I'll be interested to hear your opinion on what okay, your thoughts on them are. 
because this, this my favorite American comic is Joey Diaz. And if there's one comic that I want to see in, in here, it'll be him because he is just funny as hell. Like he's, it, it's just him. He's like a grumpy old uncle who's had a very mad life. Mm-hmm. Talking right now. That's oh, back. That here he is. He looks like a hitman. <laughs> he is, he is. No, well, he, he was a former drug dealer. Me and four other guys yeah, he looks He's a former drug dealer, but he's had a crazy life. But he is, yeah, he's amazing. Deep into the murky waters. <laughs> Welcome to this is not happening. Stepdad and her had broken up, so I lived the whole summer shit, right? So I got thrown out of Catholic school after the fifth grade year, so now I'm in the sixth grade. And I got to go back to this town called North Bergen, where I'm from in Jersey. And I got to go to a school named McKinley. And my mom was single now. My, my stepdad and her had broken up. So I lived the whole summer. My mom goes, listen, here's the fucking new rules at the house. I'm not fucking with you this year. I don't have time in the morning to wake up and make you breakfast. I don't have time to wash your fucking clothes. I'm running a business. I got two businesses, so you're on your own. The first time you fuck up, I'm putting you in military school in Miami with your cousins. You got to salute people and run with a rifle and shit. And I'm like, fuck it. I promise you, I won't fuck up. So the whole sixth grade year, I was by the book. I fucking did my own laundry. I made my own breakfast. And I would go to work in her bar in the afternoon. I would go to karate. I got A's. But then something fucked up happened in the seventh grade. I fell in love. I fell in love with the skinny chick, flat-chested, the whole fucking thing. <laughs> but there was no sex involved. We were just dry-humping like motherfuckers. <laughs> we would go home every day and dry-hump to death, like two album sides. Like, that's, that was the minimum. Like, two album sides. I would fuck up a zipper every day. Like, every day, I'd dry-hump my way, either her past her zipper or my zipper. There was no tits. There was no fingering. There was nothing. What? It was just straight-on fucking dry-humping. I fell in love. I got fucking consumed by dry humping. I, st I stopped going to karate. I stopped going to fucking basketball. I stopped doing homework. And then she told me in February that if it all works out, at the end of the summer, we're going to have sex. Who the fuck could focus <laughs> when you're going to have sex the summer of your seventh grade? I was going to have fucking sex. I was fired up. And then in June, she goes, you know what? I changed my mind. I want to keep my virginity to the eighth grade. I'm like, fuck. So I... I, I, by that time, I was getting D's. Like, I had just flunked out of fucking <laughs> school, and I had to go to summer school, like, the dry Okay, Okay, uh, that's good. I've yeah, I stopped that. No, but it, it, sorry, sorry, it's not for you. It's a bit, it's a bit, but it's a bit, um, but he, but he, I spoke to him with Matteo Destro, and uh, from that, he's a student of um, Lecoq, and he spoke about how he uses a lot of shape-shifting and movement to be funny rather than just straight and like even and i've shown his, him to a few other people and he, he reminds you of like your old miserable uncle wow <laughs> he's not for you no worries <laughs> no i uh, oh wow <laughs> uh, interesting at all to me um no <laughs> Nothing. That wasn't one of my favorite. No, I, 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 I'm like, what, who the fuck are you? Fuck yourself, fucker. Like, go fuck off. Like, I don't know. I, you know, a big fat man. Uh, fuck you. That's my, yeah. Fuck that. 
<laughs> I would have, like stood up and said, fuck you, you old fucking fuck face. I like, what the fuck is that? There is absolutely no risk in that at all. Okay. Totally in control of everything. He's an absolute fucking asshole. And people pay attention because he's a big fat man who's a big scary guy. Ah, okay. All it shape shifting, whatever. He's he never shifted out of being a fuck face to me. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely not. <laughs> but he's he's but he's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. What 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 was it? I'll say one thing on it because he's someone you're not keen on. What? No, I no. There's no point in him living. That's what I think. <laughs> it's like I'm not keen on him. It's like wow. Okay. Anyway, you lower the standards of the audience every time somebody like that performs. Okay, but you go ahead. <laughs> it, it, so, how does it lower the standards of the audience when someone like that performs? How how does it not? What was in there that was. You know, it's like, I know, I know fart jokes are funny. And when we fart, it's funny. It's like every time you fall down, it's funny. And those are, can be lovely things. Um, I don't know, maybe he's really trying to tell his story. Um, yeah, he's just, he's looking for some people to tell his story. He's kind of fucked up. <laughs> but... So what would be, this is a thing that a lot of people say about comedians as a whole. There's a gap that people are missing in life or something that makes them do it and they use comedy as a way to fill it. Does that also apply to clowns in your opinion, in terms of like some people? Well, it I mean, it's really hard. Isn't it hard to make that big blanket statement? Because there's people out there that call themselves clowns that I don't think are clowns, you know, and there's people that aren't clowns and don't want to be called clowns and they're beautiful clowns. So, um, so I, I don't know. I do it cause you, or you, you do it cause you can't not do it. Do you know? It's like, I can't not, I just couldn't, I, everything comes down to clown for me, everything like that. Um, you know, sometimes, a terrible thing is going to like a one-person show, you know, at a fringe festival. It's like, oh god, this is going to be the story of my boom boom, you know, bad, bad, sad life, and blah blah blah. Um, and that's not interesting to me. But if you can um, articulate, process, create um, a world that uh, expresses. Uh, really tells your story and your relationship with that story you think who's going to be interested in this this is far too personal nobody's going to be interested in this um, but what happens with a great clown is that that personal story becomes universal and everybody thinks you're telling their story and they love you for that and that's what what you said there is a lot of it's a sort of common stroke in stand up. A lot a lot of people say a regular story that people relate to, yeah. and oh, I felt that. What is it's the same with with some, a lot of 
musicians as well when they do a strong love song with Whitney Houston. You go, oh, I felt like that, and you you get to reminisce about your painful times in a in a nice way. Yes, and sometimes it's good to know you're not alone. Or I think a big thing is to be acknowledged as somehow to make the audience feel as in, as individuals that they are being acknowledged as an individual, even though the story is universal. And the thing is, it's not important that we agree about what that story is. So, for example, I made a show with a wonderful clown, and she happens to be a fundamentalist Christian, which is sort of not my thing at all. But um, what was great was in her show, so she did her show, it was a lovely, lovely, really good show. She was very funny uh, and beautiful and poignant and funny. And then um, friends in the audience, it was a, a gay couple, lesbian couple, couple. They were so excited because they came up and said, oh my God, I just feel, felt like, oh my God, you know, because she had a line in the show about this thing that's very important to me. I, I can never talk about it. You know, I, can, I can't talk about it. And it was like, and here's like the antithesis, because of course, in this person's show, those people are going to go to hell, <laughs> you know, but those people, the, that couple was like, it was marvelous. She was telling our story. Just see, you don't have to agree on what the story is. It's about as long as you get something personal yeah. and valuable to you. Because anything we're watching, we're watching from our experiential nature. So everything we're watching, we're we're only understanding it through our own experiences, you know, through our own whatever little brains. And is that one of the approaches you take when you're working with others or producing a show? You like you you've you don't try and force anything on what someone Never. you help them find what works for them by getting to know them and just like giving them enough room for them to find the answer rather than force the answer on them? Well, um, I actually now only make shows with people who have the pedagogy of clown through mask because we have a certain pedagogy, a certain language and certain tools that I use or we use um, to arrive at what the show's about, what the script is, how the script evolves. Um, because, you know, do I, anyway, a bit about the process of Clown Through Mask is making, creating, making, creating, and wearing and expressing a series of six masks. And in each mask, there are two sides. There's an experience and an innocence, not necessarily, not related to each other uh, logically in any way. Um, so really, you've got 12 masks. So for me, it's like I sit in a room with the person in the studio, and it's really a conversation. And we, we tape everything. We tape everything. Like I'm talking, they're talking, and I'm getting them to talk to me in, for example, mask one experience. Maybe the quality of that is um, loss. Um, and the mask, how can I say, the mask is given to us so that we can articulate what we otherwise could never express. Because we have to articulate it in, the story has to come in an abstract way or we get too attached to it. Wow, this is like a book on psychology, but it's not, it's about creativity. Um, and so anyway, the, the script and the show, the show evolves through the, the you know, 
through the conversation, through the exploration of of the masks, sorry, and also um, what kind of world or props maybe they bring in, or I've brought in something after a couple of days, I usually have a, a picture of what this show could be, what, what might be happening in it. So that's how I make a show. I don't sit down and write jokes. I can't do it. So. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. But I need to process this. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> let me get. So with the process of building a show, you you have an idea of it and you just. Effectively play of it like it's a you develop it like a like a brick of a, in a building or something. That's how absolutely, you see it. Absolutely. And like you, a brick, like that a puzzle. Vision. Well, but no, I have to be, you know, we're always in the sense of, in the spirit of letting go of, you know, what your idea might be. Because, you know, I have somebody who says, okay, they come and they want to make a show and they want to have this and this and this in it. And I said, great, okay, let's, let's see how that, you know, appears or doesn't appear. And so then we find out if it really is important that it's in the show or if it's like only one sentence in the show or if it actually becomes a scene of the, of the show. To, but does that post they they say with you i don't know if they're doing a crown show is how i realized that i was a i wasn't a human i was a dinosaur <laughs> and they put that as a how would they so they'll come up with the idea they discuss what they plan and how it's going to work and they go through it you 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 prompt them maybe a few exercises you say how about maybe you add this and then then maybe they tell you how the show's gone and they go back with you and then you have a chat with them, then you, they do some other bits. And sort, then... of, uh, sort of, sort of, sort of. It's it, So I work usually two or three weeks. We work in the studio. So they, as I say, we videotape everything and they have to transcribe everything, everything. And um, then we take a break for maybe six months and they don't do anything with that. <laughs> uh, we come back, we look at the material that's been generated we see things that are there that can work, uh, that things that we don't need, maybe, you know, kill the darlings, right? You know, that's for another show. Um, and then, you know, try to understand what would be the, what would be the opening block of this? What would be the next thing? Like how do things evolve and devolve in this, you know, and where, what, where does this take you? What, what are you? At the end, because I think uh, clown is really about transformation, and for an audience to have that experience of transformation, the, the performer has to go through uh, the quality of transformation. They have to learn or unlearn during during their show, so that um, yeah, it's, it's, you're never the same at the end of a good clown show as you are at the beginning of that show. Oh, that's that. What? Why would that be the case? That's that's very interesting. Because it's transformation. Because we're taking on some kind of trip. I mean, we're because for me, there's four elements that have to be present in a successful piece of work. You have to present yourself, take me into your world, transform me, and bring me back with a new awareness. So those four elements, if they're in place, you have a complete arc. Um, you have a, and there's going to be a beginning, middle, and end in that. Hmm. 
what would be an example of a recent show you've worked on that demonstrates that and and in this to, to a layman that's listening in now someone that, that, oh boy that like... well let's see uh that's <laughs> it's impossible <laughs> i can't really say uh, shall i say about barnaby's show maybe because that's okay sure let's do that um well, that was an interesting start to that show because it was supposed to be uh, a duo do that show. Two two guys were going to do that show. And then I got to England and then there was a crisis and then the other person couldn't do the show. And so I'm there and it's like, well, what are we doing? And then Barnaby, who's ever like the driver, like, I, I'll, I'd like to do it anyway. I think we'll make a solo show. I was like, okay. I wasn't really planning on that. And um had a has a beautiful entrance to his show um of pulling uh, he, he doesn't do this show i think like this anymore but he um pulling a piano because his piano was stolen pulling in a piano on stage and then there's a world in that piano that is revered revealed uh what can i say and so at the end he's uh sort of, he's quite you can see he's sort of a lone traveler you know he's definitely alone and there's a point in the show where he's playing the piano and he's trying to be fantastically interesting and he sees it's not working and he just uh you know drops his head on his hands and says I have to find something to care about and I just love that line it's just a fabulous line and then it's sort of his uh you know what happens after that um so there's definitely key things in a show um that happened but it's like trying to talk about clown i think is pretty impossible and trying to talk about a clown show is also pretty impossible but i look at a clown show like it's not snack food it's like you don't want to see a show and it was like really funny it was really good and la, la, la. you go to see Cirque du Soleil and you're wow all those people are so you know they spend a lot of time stretching um <laughs> and then you forget about it but a clown show part of that comes home with you and you feel affected by that in some way even if you didn't like it i think that's also that's also you know interesting information too okay well but I, like what i don't know what i can really you know that i mean i've made a show with a man in peru that's my last show that was before covid and a wonderful woman in quebec uh, i think a year or two before that and yeah uh, I can't remember. I don't know. I've made about forty shows. So I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember their order particularly. So, to someone that's listening in right now, yeah, and they've done a clown course or done that. What are the six? So you said you mentioned the six masks, and each of them come across with an experience. And what was the other? The perspective. Innocence. Innocence. So perspective and no experience and innocence. So. Would you be able to explain those six masks for people that are listening now? No. Oh, okay. Because, no, because this is an extremely personal journey for the person who's, who's, whoever is in the workshop. Each person encounters whatever at, I mean, oh, there's some things I have an inkling about, but I don't talk about it, but uh 
it's a circle, right? It's like a clown nose. There's, there's no beginning. There's no end. It just works in a cycle. So it's not like an evolutionary, like I'm good, good, better, better. Oh, fantastic. You know, I've reached, reached level six. It's like, there's no level. It's a circle. It's a cycle. And every one of those stops, every one of those masks are important, whether you like them or not, or whether you're good at expressing them or not. Um, they're all like a stepping stone, you know, to the next, to, to, to whatever the next thing is. So it's a very abstract thing. And I like, it's like talking about a joke or comedy or it's, I don't know. It's very, very difficult to do that. <laughs> like, why would I tell you what your experience is going to be before you've had the opportunity to have that experience? To give, to know a to little form. bit about what to expect so that you ah, don't go Ah, with there it. we go. Expectation cuts off experience. Okay? So that's out. If you expect something, you anticipate, oh, it's going to be like this. I'm going to deal with my, you know, I lost my dog, my mummy died, whatever. I'm going to, you know, uh, um, then that everybody's story is unique and and that's and so when they tell the story of wearing the mask and and there's an improvisation within that they that everyone follows individually um uh, through their mask and it's an exercise which came from lecoq but pachinko sort of turned it inside out and it's waving goodbye to someone you love so everyone wears their mask there's a process, specific process of that, which is, which is unique. Um, and through that, through that improvisation, you, your story is manifested, sort of it creates. And then I say out of, out of that story, say you were, oh, I was, um, I don't know, I was a, a barmaid working in a, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't know. <laughs> And, um, you know, working in a bar and I was saying goodbye to a sailor or whatever, and this person is going away forever and you're never going to see them again. And what is that goodbye like? And then you have the opportunity on your walk home in the improvisational walk home of going back and saying your final goodbye. Oh, yeah. So with that, within that, with, from that whole experience, and there was a lot of stuff that prob probably happened, maybe, or maybe one thing. Um, what is the most compelling thing to be expressed out of that mask? So out of everything, um, out of all of the stuff that was going on, the most compelling thing for me was hope. That, that's my word, I'm gonna say hope. And so then I'm going, okay, so how are you gonna express that? And you can't talk and you can't use words, right? So how are you going to do that? How are you going to perform that? What's that going to look like? So, you know, uh, maybe you set up a table. It's got two chairs. Um, you have a cupcake with a candle in it. And you're like, and you sit down and you're like, somebody's going to come. I know somebody's going to come. And, you know, you're feeling that, thinking that. And that's how you manifest your concept of hope, possibly. Um, at some point in that performance, 
something's going to happen and you switch into the innocence, you switch into the other side of the mask. And that is usually a surprise to people, like to the performer, because <laughs> you can have the thing, okay, this is going to happen. I'm going to blow the candle out and then I'm going to be in the dark and that's going to be the end of the show. It's like, okay, no. Um, I, there's something that's going to happen and you're going to be listening, reacting. You're going to be working in the world of the audience with your world and something's going to happen. And that's going to be the thing that, you know, kind of triggers the transformation to, to another thing, which is like, you know, maybe, maybe it's, you know, anger. So then you set fire to the theater or something. Okay. You can't really do that, but maybe that would be the best thing. Does, okay, but I'm not saying anybody should set fire to a theater. Okay. Okay. And does the mask help in terms of that? It Because if with words and as I said, with, when people do joke writing, just do straight up jokes, mm -hmm. does that the mask help express themselves? Because it's based on just, does it express their performance? If you see someone's face and you do certain things, does it limit their performance and does the mask help express? Yeah, I would say that um, because the thing is for us and our masks, once we wear it for the exploration time of, you know, discovering who, what this mask is, which may be human or not human, anything at all, we don't even wear that mask again. Now you've got a no, got the nose. So you wear the red nose, possibly. I don't even use that that much anymore. Um, yeah, so there is a there's a physicality uh, that is not going to be possibly your you know normal physicality. There's going to be you know um, a manifestation um, in the physical that you know maybe that, that will be an aspect that is actually helping you stay in the quality of say one experience if it's loss or something it's, gosh i don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh god you missed time <laughs> <laughs> no it's like it's like i don't know it just works <laughs> but a big thing is expectation it's like and if people say oh i'm looking for something like this it's like well uh then you're going to miss all these other things <laughs> for one thing if you think you're only looking for this, and if you actually think that that is the right thing to be looking for, it's like, like I always say you get what you need when you take this work, but it may not be necessarily what you want. So. Mm. That's. Mm. Yes. Mm. How how do you how do you do how do you do with with ones because with you've been teaching so many different people. You must have a lot of interesting stories, lots of amazing moments, but also things on the other side which give you wild stories to talk about. And you learn something in a way as well. Like you get students oh, saying, so. "Oh God, why are you saying all this for?" I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what that is, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm amazed every time. And every time I walk into a workshop, I, I always feel like I have no idea what I know. And I have to serve the moment. So I have to be available to do that, <laughs> to offer that to whoever's working. So for people that might not be 
so used to like clowns out there who are examples you mentioned that there's some people that call themselves clowns that aren't clowns i'm not going to ask that question because that i don't want to put you in murky water but maybe we could say after the podcast um uh, no i'm joking don't <laughs> um or maybe do not but let's talk on who are examples of clowns that you wouldn't expect to be clowns because one person who i didn't know that studied clowning was josh gordon levitt from the the actor that did oh yes yeah i was mm -hmm. surprised i didn't know that he did slavs no show and i wouldn't have expected him to be someone who's done it mm. um and so oh gosh you know i hate to uh, well i have a terrible memory so i i won't even remember anyway things i liked but this will probably upset people <laughs> but the very first the first Pirates of the Caribbean with Johnny Depp, the first one. The others were terrible. The first one, I was like, holy crap. That was fabulous clown to me. You know, I mean, even like watching French and Saunders, like I think they're brilliant. Um, oh gosh, I don't know. I don't know. Not many. <laughs> Although I went to see, I was in New York working on a show and I went to see um, Waiting for Godot. And yeah, it was like, huh. And um, then I went to say, oh, what's the name of it? No, I can't think. I think it's an Ionesco play, Idiot or something. And Jeffrey Rush was in it. And he was brilliant. Oh my gosh. He was just brilliant. He, I, he was brilliant. I mean, he got, he was off the stage. He was moving through the audience. And you're like there, I mean, he went to Lecoq. And uh, I'm like, wow, there's somebody who just is like so reeks of fucking talent. And then, you know, so often I think TV or movies, they limit these people a lot. And, uh, and that's unfortunate, but certainly in, you know, theater, John Goodman was in, John Goodman was in The Waiting for Godot and he was brilliant. Uh, he's from Ro Roseanne, I don't know. Anyway, he was, Brilliant. Oh, and if you watch Oh Brother, Where Art There? Oh Brother, Where Art There? The, with George Clooney and two guys who are brilliant clowns and I can't think of their names. Do you know the film? Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, you gotta watch it. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, uh, well, that's worth watching. I think that's a beautiful clown film. I would say clown on all of them. They're gorgeous. Ooh. I didn't know about Jeffrey Rush and George Clooney. You, you classify. Oh, he was, the, and the two guys, which I'm so sorry, I can't think of their names because they were so good. John something. Uh, anyway, I mean, you know, sometimes it's just having the right. Well, it's the right person, having the right director, having the right script, having the right kind of permission and environment that uh, some people just just come out so beautifully melissa mccarthy i think is brilliant and and um clown she has a lot going on yeah okay um, who who were who were who are clowns that you admire and what is what 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 is it what no what are some amazing who are clowns that are called clowns and that perform as clowns that you've seen recently that you've admired their performance? 
And what was the quality? I haven't seen anything recently. Oh, okay. Um, and so that's tough. I don't know. Um, I saw Robin Williams um, in New York and, you know, he, and it was a more Q&A kind of a thing that he was doing in New York. And he was fabulous. He was so beautiful because he was heartbreaking, but he was absolutely gorgeous. And he was so generous. And he was fantastic. But I can't say as I like his films very much, you know, you know like they're pleasant, but I mean, like, like Mrs. Doubtfire and stuff like that. That's not, but to see him in person was really quite amazing. I, yeah, there's people I've seen that is like, well, I don't, I don't know about that, but I don't want to say anybody's name. So. <laughs> okay. So one question I want to ask, and this is a little cheeky question. Can I ask this? Well, depends. You get his phone number. No. What's he like as a person? Is he as he, you see him on talk shows where he's like, and like all this wacky things that he does. Um, well, it was a bigger environment. It was at the Juilliard School, um, and he was being interviewed by Lillian Ross from The New Yorker, and uh, he was so respectful of her. It was very touching, and um, and there were some weirdo people in the audience calling out and stuff. He just handled everybody beautifully. He was supposed to be there for like 20 minutes or 10 minutes, and he was there for an hour, Um and finally, his handlers had to come and kind of physically take him off the stage because it was like an addiction. I think for him, it was a, a sickness almost, you know, that he um, he was so alive in the connection uh, with the audience. But I know on like when I see him in talk shows, it's like I feel like he's constrained. He's trying to like limit himself down to suit the space. And I and this can be uncomfortable, I think, sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine what goes on behind the scenes that you that for people at that sort of level, all that all the stuff you, know, you complain about what you deal with as a regular person. But when you have eyes on you, like like he did, my oh. God, the, all the and all the all the things you don't see behind the scenes, you know, maybe you get a security guard being jealous of you saying, look at those shit shoes or you get someone you get other comedians in dressing rooms saying funny things or you get the amount of stuff he had to deal with was probably astronomical. A lot of pressure, huge amount of pressure. And then it comes with people expect that expectation because obviously, so they want that thing, you know, so he's got to like a performing dog, do that thing. Although, you know, part of him really is that, um, but I'm no expert on Robin Williams. It was just my experience when I um, got to see him. And actually like then I saw Steve Martin at, a, at another talk and he was like a, and I really liked Steve Martin. Well, I used to. And then um, he was just like a very rigid, very controlled person. But probably a lot of that has to do with, you know, self-preservation or something like that. It's hard. I mean, how in these public environments can we know anybody? It's, you know, and I think that's the beauty. And uh, when I see a great clown work that I actually have that feeling that I'm actually you know, part, or I'm privy to their joy and their uh, failures and their fears. And, uh, and I think that is a very beautiful thing. It's good to witness someone be vulnerable. 
isn't it? And survive it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, not, in a way where we enjoy it rather than we get uncomfortable about it. That's true. And I mean, the, the audience will always be your gauge. They'll let you know how far you can go. You have to be listening and respectful of that all the time. You're always, you know, playing that. that because you you want tension, right? There's always tension. There has to be ten, good. And tension is a good thing. So you know more, less, more, 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 less, less, less. <laughs> and you kind of respect that. Or you ride it like a surf, you know. What would you say the, the tension is on social media? Because you see so many people, get, you know, you say the wrong thing, even if you mean well, the little thing, and it gets completely taken out of context. But in live, it would work. But if so many things that you say as a performance, if it you if it's said in a tweet or that, you're done. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a very interesting, interesting times, isn't it? You know, <laughs> I don't know why anybody goes into politics anymore because it's like there's no hope for you um you know you'll be destroyed in some way now you don't want to say any names that's perfectly fine this isn't an expose but what is a thing that people often mistake as clown uh that isn't clown choreography Choreography. When I see something and it's a number and it always goes like this, and particularly if we're using music, of course, we're kind of, you know, held to that on some level. But if I see a show and it's a choreographed, I feel, and I don't want to ever go to see a show and feel manipulated. So that's not cool for me either. That's a tactic uh, to deflect uh, the risk of the performer, I think. Um, I want to feel taken into your world, but I don't want to feel manipulated into that or by that. You want to feel like this is show is the first time it's been done and you want to feel like you're special. Yeah, you exactly. Feel special. Like it's been done for the first time, even, well, even if it, if it, if it is rehearsed and prepared, you don't want to feel like it. Right. Right. I don't want to think that I'm, just coming to see the same thing or I could have watched it at home on my sofa. Um, yeah, that's, I like to, I don't mind to see a bit of failure because I probably will see some lovely well, uh, moments of survival as well. <laughs> so something like that is good. You know, I mean, the, you just have to be flexible. I mean, you have to be open to the world and what's happening and, and, um, I don't mean the world in like a global sense. And, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in, well, that's possible. But, um, you know, in the world of the theater, you know, or, or that club, whatever, wherever I'm working, that tent, I mean, it's, um, I want to always acknowledge that I arrive in that space and the audience has also arrived in that space. And then, you know, how we proceed. But the script gives you a, you know, that's your reason to come out, even if you have to throw it away pretty quickly. Or you don't throw it away, well, whatever. That's just if you're in the creation phase. But um, no, a scripted thing, it, you can have a scripted show and like, you know, you were saying you had bits that worked and then trying to redo them, they didn't work because, you know, there's a lot of, because as Philippe, and Philippe will say, uh, has said, I think, do it a hundred times and get it back. But boy, that hundred times can be 
being brutal. And then so much of that has to do with our attachment to it. And our also, you know, you're doing that bit because it worked last night. And so in a way you kind of phone it in because you're like, this bit's good. I'm just going to have a cigarette over here. And you're not participating in your experience anymore. And I think for clown, the most beautiful thing is when I see people participating in their own experiences, that's, that's very lovely and generous. Oh, that's a, what's, what's the, dif what's the difference between you seeing someone perform and not participate in the experience, but, but the difference between someone actually actively participating in the performance. I, one is happening and one was yesterday. So you're always being in it and ready to, to, to play with it, not thinking. Yeah, like, like it's a lot of work. It is. And people are like, wow, that's a lot of work. It's like, yeah, that's right. It's a lot of work. And if you don't, you know, if that doesn't suit you or you're not prepared for that at this time, then sit down <laughs> for a while. And watch <laughs> but all the time you're watching you're just thinking about what you're not doing or what you've <laughs> done or they should do this it's like yeah <laughs> we'll see did, did has being when you've gone on the other side of crown does that because that's the same thing with a lot of comics that like once you go on the other side it completely changed your experience of watching performances well, the difference, I think, you know, when you say that we're watching, it's like, I don't want to watch Clown. I want to participate. Of, yeah. you know, I want to be a part of it. And um, that's a lovely thing, <laughs> if that happens. But if I'm just watching something, okay, well, you know, I'm just watching it. Now, <laughs> for anyone that's listening right now and they're like, they're saying, they want to know more about you. Where do they go? And what's what's a what's a parting bit of advice? Wisdom. You, yeah, that you <laughs> I like. I tell it all through the whole thing, so you have to listen to the whole podcast for that. Um, uh, yeah. Well, you can look at um, CanadianClowning.com. Is probably. I don't really spend a lot of time on the web page, but my wonderful assistant, assistant Isaac Louie, does. So, um, yeah. That's it. Now I'm in New York, teaching in New York next month, and I'll be in Brazil in the spring, and maybe Spain, and sometime in twenty, uh, also in March or so. I can't remember something. No, not March, September. Anyway, <laughs> I'm scaling back. Obviously, like it's like I'm getting old. I'm just scaling back my my teaching. And making what about sure London? <laughs> about it, yeah. I was just in England. I was in Norwich. Had a, an amazing time there. Mm. Come and do a workshop in London. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like London. And <laughs> I don't need a translator, which is nice. <laughs> um, if Okay. So, guys, if you want to know about Sue, if you want to <laughs> know where to go. Good luck. <laughs> you go to Brazil, you can go to New York, just go on the website. And I think they're actually full, but still, you can find a way. You can email me. <laughs> yeah. I hope you've enjoyed it. Make sure you give this episode of a view, a five star view, and all, all the platforms you see. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I'll see you in the next episode, which will probably be with a good mate of mine, Tom Little who has become a viral comedian.
and he talks about how podcasting is better. What last time I saw in Edinburgh is more effective than just straight up social media stuff. But anyway, I hope you've enjoyed it. I'll see you soon. Have a fantastic evening or morning, wherever you are. I get all sorts of people listening in, Sue. I've had oh. people in from America. I have people from Iraq. I've, I Occasionally, when I'm gigging, I get an old person that comes in and says, oh, I listen to your podcast. I expect you to be less shit. <laughs> I'm joking. No, they don't say that. <laughs> no, they don't say that. But there was <laughs> Well, but they're thinking that. <laughs> Thank you so much for the call. It's been really a pleasure to talk. And... Um... Hello. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. That episode bloody bamboozled me just as much as it probably bamboozled you. Yeah. Give the episode, give the podcast a five star view on Amazon or iTunes. Share it around, and I'll see you in the next episode with a good friend of mine, the fantastic Tom Little. <laughs>